Hello everybody and welcome back to Hooked on Sports here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasting streaming streaming services. It's your good friend John Flynn here once again and it's the weekly NFL special of Hooked on Sports and that's in addition to the regular podcast we do once a week. So, we have a lot to get into this week leading up to the divisional round of the playoffs it's this upcoming weekend. We have four amazing matchups on tap this weekend, and I'll be glued into the television for those games. Obviously, at the end of the podcast, I'll make my picks and predictions against the spread on each of these games, and I'll list my five most important players not at the quarterback position remaining in the tournament, so I'll, I'll do all of that in a little bit. But I do want to lead off with four topics that are not playoff related, and they have to do with coaching news and executive news around the NFL. But I gotta start with this as the Chicago Bears retained Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for another year um, as the head coach and general manager of the Chicago Bears. And the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs this year was enough to keep the general manager Ryan Pace and the head coach Matt Nagy. And this was the news that broke last night, and this was probably the news that Bears fans didn't want to hear after they got shown the door by Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints 72 hours ago. Everyone in the NFL knows that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace needed to be fired, except for the Halluses and the McCaskies. The Bears are not one of those teams that is close to a championship in the NFL. It's nice having a good defense, and the defense carried the team to their 5-1 start and kept them in several games during their six-game losing streak. But watching the offense was so hard to watch on television amid all the national spotlight time they had in in the second half of the season, whether it was that Monday night disaster against Minnesota where Bill Lazor called the plays and it, it didn't make matters any better, or the Sunday night game in Green Bay against the Packers where the, the, the Bears were trailing 41-10 to 10 at one point. Then the final hammer should have come down. When they only scored three points through 59 minutes of a playoff game. And I'll give you some digits as to why the Bears are going to stick with the same old plan of mediocrity in 2021. And why it is a plan of mediocrity. And let's take a look at some of these numbers. In Matt Nagy's three seasons so far, 2018 through 2020, the ranks in total yards, 21st, 29th, and 26th. Ranks in passing offense, which is mostly Mitchell Trubisky, 21st, 25th, 22nd. Ranks in rushing offense each of the last three seasons, 11th, 27th, and 25th. These numbers are to show the the Bears' offense has gotten worse under Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. And had it not been for that month of December where the Bears got to face the league's worst defenses all in a row, the rankings in 2020 would have been lower than those in 2019. And also factor this in too, the Bears had the third worst strength of victory in the NFL. Only the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans were worse on those fronts. But in all, you have to think about why the Bears got to Matt Nagy in the first place. 
because in John Fox's last two seasons with the Bears in 2016 and 2017, the Bears only scored 28 or more points just once in, in their 32 games in that stretch. The Bears thought Matt Nagy was the offensive mind that was needed to boost the team, but it hasn't turned out that way at all. And this is where Ryan Pace comes in. Now, to Pace's credit, and to be fair and objective, he built and constructed that defense, and he had everything in mind except the quarterback, and he picked the wrong quarterback. He was the one that recklessly traded up from the third overall pick to the second overall pick, to draft Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Listen, if Pace drafted either Watson or Mahomes with that second overall pick, not entirely sure if Mahomes would have worked under uh, under John Fox or Matt Nagy, but certainly Watson. The entire conversation surrounding the Bears is different, and you're looking at the Chicago Bears as a perennial Super Bowl contender. But they picked Trubisky, who isn't a legit NFL quarterback. But how about this? There's even more. 12 leading NFL executives have had have held jobs since 2015. Only two of them have not won a playoff game. Mike Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals, who I talked about last week. The other is Ryan Pace. Listen, if you watched the Bears this season, it was painfully obvious that whatever Pace and Nagy tried to do this season isn't going to be the solution next year either. The Bears made the playoffs because the Cardinals lost three games they were supposed to win. The Patriots debacle, the 49ers game without Garoppolo, and the Rams game without Jared Goff. Also factor in the Cardinals won a game thanks to the Hale Murray against Buffalo. This is a particularly dangerous path that the McCaskies are undertaking for the franchise. And if they're telling Nagy and Pace that 2021 is a make-or-break season in terms of job security, they're putting Ryan Pace in a lose-lose situation, forcing him to mortgage 2022 and beyond just so he can keep his job for the future this year. And this will not bode well at all for the Chicago Bears if this is the message that ownership is sending to Pace. They'd probably have to blow it up after the season, start all over with a lengthy rebuild with new players, new coaches, new general manager, new quarterback. I'd also think that the Bears would play an even more dangerous game if they picked their franchise quarterback this year to replace Mitchell Trubisky because Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are on the hot seat. Listen, picking a quarterback when the head coach could legitimately be fired if they miss the playoffs, is is bad because if the coach is fired, the quarterback will be forced to, to learn a second offensive system in as many years, and that usually does not bode well for the franchise. Now, to Trubisky's defense, this was the exact situation he was placed under. His first year under John, uh, his first year was under John Fox. The second year and beyond under Matt Nagy. And the results for Trubisky speak for themselves, and this is more reflective on the Bears. If you're looking at teams that have brighter futures than present times, the Bears are not one of those teams to look at. So, that's topic number one. Topic number two, the Jaguars are seriously looking at Urban Meyer as their next head coach, and there were rumors that the Jacksonville Jaguars are 
letting Urban Meyer decide if he wants to take his towns to Duval County and become the next head coach of the franchise. And Mike Florio of Pro Football Focus added late last night that the juice of these rumors is starting to escalate to a point where Meyer is the head coach and interim general manager Trent Baalke by becoming full-time general manager. Now, there is a lot of risk with this hire. Make no mistake about this. There is a lot of risk with this hire um, with, with Meyer and Balky. Balky previously not having much success with uh, constructing teams together with the 49ers and his public feud with Jim Harbaugh led the 49ers to believe that Jim Harbaugh should be fired. He never should have been fired in the first place. And they were wrong on that. And he was the one that brought in Jim Tom Sula, who was a disaster. And Chip Kelly in his own right was a train wreck. And Urban Meyer has no experience in the NFL. But I do say that there's a lot of risk. But I believe that this is a risk worth taking. And I'll tell you why. If the buck stops with Urban Meyer... And Meyer would, of course, be responsible for changing the culture and bringing in a culture of winning. And if he does that, it'll be a boom for the franchise. Urban Meyer is the one that needs to make the decisions for the team. The Jaguars have this golden opportunity to start over, draft one of the best NFL quarterback prospects in a generation in Trevor Lawrence, and utilize this offseason to surround him with the talent to be successful in year number one. They should be aggressive in free agency because they have the best salary cap situation in the league. They are supposed to be around $75 million under the cap when the offseason begins. That's the, the, the best amount in the league. And they can utilize the money wherever they, they see they feel a fit. Now, if I'm the Jaguars and if I'm bulky, I would put dollars in, the, in free agency to invest in the offensive line and a wide receiver, and then utilize the draft to improve on the defense. Remember, they do have another first-round pick this year as part of the Jalen Ramsey trade, and we'll have to see how far the Rams go in the playoffs to see where they exactly land. And then utilize uh, the rest of the draft to, um, uh, to pick the best available defensive player on the board with their second first-round pick. The Jaguars are going to take a different direction than the, the other teams are, are making. The rest of the teams in the coaching carousel this year are primarily looking at coordinators to take over as head coaches for their franchises. And also understand that this will not be a one or two year fix. That if they want Urban Meyer to coach this team, they're going to need to give him a lengthy contract so that he knows he has the confidence from ownership um, that that's going to be needed so he can fix the franchise and 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 let let him do the thing and and let the media watch as he is as he tries to fix the franchise. So that that's number two. Number three, the Seattle Seahawks fired Brian Schottenheimer's as offensive coordinator last night after three seasons on the job, citing philosophical differences between him and head coach Pete Carroll, and this news came 24 hours after Coach Carroll announced his intentions to keep him for next year, and I believe if you're a Seahawks fan, I think this is very good news. I really didn't touch 
on Monday on the Seattle side of of the of the Rams upset because I thought the game was showed more about the Rams than about the Seahawks. But if you watch the Seahawks in the second half of this season, start starting with the game against the Rams uh, at SoFi Stadium, you saw a completely different side to to Seattle's offense when the league adjusted accordingly to what was quite an efficient offense during the first half, you know. After four weeks, I labeled Russell Wilson as league MVP through the first eight weeks. He threw two interceptions in Buffalo, and that loss showed that Seattle's offense couldn't beat the opposition in as many ways as they thought they could. And this brings in Schottenheimer, because this was the second straight season Seattle got off to a great start offensively in the first half, and then they just faltered in the second half. The way Seattle played against Philadelphia and the Giants was a telltale sign that Seattle was not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. And when 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 and I said when the Giants took down the Seahawks in Seattle, that Seattle was not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. And and the result was a 30 to 20 loss to the hands of a division rival, the LA Rams. So this brings up the play calling in Seattle's loss to the Rams over the weekend. I think the biggest snapshot of the entire Brian Schottenheimer era in Seattle was the pick six by Darius Williams off a wide receiver screen from Russell Wilson intended for DK Metcalf. The first interception off a wide receiver screen this season in the NFL. The Rams visibly saw from the other sideline early in the second quarter that Metcalf was upset because of the lack of targets he was getting from Wilson. And the Rams used that to their advantage because they knew Seattle was going to try to get the ball to Metcalf and make him happy. And then they pounced on that opportunity to make them pay. The adjustments Brian Staley made for the Rams' defense were more timely than those Brian Schottenheimer made for Russell Wilson's offense. The coaching on both sides played a gigantic role in the outcome of the game, and I told you the better coach and the better defense was going to win that game. And and so what does Seattle need to do? They need to hire an offensive coordinator that can put together a plan that's best suited for Russell Wilson right now, and that could win immediately after a waste of some of Russell Wilson's prime years. So that's, tar- that's the third of four topics. The fourth topic is a late-breaking news um, uh, re- uh, reaction about the Denver Broncos hiring George Patton as their general manager. They uh, agreed to a six-year contract, and I like the hire for the Broncos. The post-Super Bowl Broncos the last five seasons were defined by uncertainty in the front office and at the quarterback position. And I think George Patton is as good as it gets for the Broncos well, without hiring someone without actually being a general manager. And there's a whole lot to like about this deal, particularly when it comes to his record. And he was likely the Broncos' top choice all in the long run. It was between him and Terry Fontenot for the job. It, his hire creates stability with the organization. And it was somebody outside the Broncos organization, which was big because the Broncos needed a fresh start. And you got to give him some credit for for some of the uh, amount of success that his Vikings teams have had without much luck at the quarterback position. And they had some very good defenses. And I thought the Vikings had a fantastic draft this year. 
drafting Justin Jefferson, among others, and bringing in guys that will benefit the team in the long run because of all the draft picks that he acquired, whether it was the Stefan Diggs trade or, or or even the Yannick Ngakwe trade or with Baltimore. Obviously, the big evaluator of his tenure with the Broncos will be his relationship with Vic Fangio and his ability to draft a franchise quarterback uh, that, that can burst some frustration out of the air. I wanted to like Drew Locke, and I was going to label the Denver Broncos as my Cinderella team before Von Miller got hurt. But I don't know if he's the answer. I think the Broncos have more questions than answers uh, surrounding their quarterback. But I think today was a very good day, nonetheless, for the Denver Broncos. The coronavirus took its toll on human life in 2020. But just because 2020 is over and that a vaccine has been approved for emergency use doesn't mean that the threat of COVID-19 is gone. Please remember to wear your masks and maintain a 6-foot physical distance from others while you can. And if you're sick, don't go to work or school. You can mask up and you can save lives. Alright everybody, now it's time to look ahead to Divisional Weekend in the NFL Playoffs. But I want to begin by, by listing who I think are the 5 most important players not at quarterback remaining in this this year's playoffs. And I'm going to begin with number five, Alvin Kamara, running back for the New Orleans Saints. And it's easy to forget about Kamara with all the buzz in New Orleans surrounding Drew Brees and the Saints quarterback situation after the season. But Alvin Kamara is, keeps, uh, keeps making a big case of being the best running back in the National Football League. And Kamara has been terrific. He is one of the best running backs in the league and has been brilliantly utilized by Sean Payton and offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael to create the different dynamics of the Saints offense that makes them so hard to defend against. Now, the Buccaneers have done a good job, I think, with Kamara during their first two matchups this season, and I thought those matchups were all about Brady against the Breeze, against the Saints defense. But I think if the Saints want to beat a Bucks team that has improved defensively, I think Kamara is going to be needed to balance the attack because I think Tampa Bay is most vulnerable when they can't predict the play calling and. I think running back screens will be something the Saints will employ and Camaro, who has caught at least 80 passes in each of his first four seasons in the league, I think it will be Camaro's time to shine for once against Tampa's defense on Sunday night. Number four, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. And Brandon Bean, the, the general manager, deserves a lot of credit for me putting Stefan Diggs on this list. He knew Josh Allen needed a home run target and a true number one wide receiver to round out an elite offense. And Diggs was sick with the Vikings. He didn't want to play for Minnesota this season. And the Bills took full advantage. And the Vikings weren't going to let the Bills get, get him for cheap. But if giving up those picks was what it was going to take to elevate the Bills roster, then that was what it took. And Brandon Bean invested and took the gamble and it's paid off. And... 
Diggs has been money leading the league in receiving at re- receptions and receiving yards. He does have an oblique in- uh, issue and was a limited participant in practice on Tuesday. And he's going to have a tough matchup against Marcus Peters in that Baltimore secondary this weekend. But he is one of those receivers that can elevate an offense. And we're going to see how much he can do that over the weekend against but Baltimore's vaunted secondary. Number three on my list is Devontae Adams, the wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Adams has to go up against against the best corner in the game this season in Jalen Ramsey. And if there was a number, if there was a top six, uh, on this chart, on this list, uh, Jalen Ramsey would have been number six, and it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But his genius and the genius of Aaron Rodgers has elevated that connection to the next level, and Adams has put up some fantastic numbers this season, leading the league in receiving yards per game, in touchdowns, had nearly 1,400 yards receiving in 14 games. He missed a couple of games because of injury earlier in the season. I think Matt LaFleur deserves some credit too and he let Aaron Rodgers utilize his strengths and maximize them to the, uh, to his fullest potential. He is one of those receivers with size and speed that can beat opposing secondaries in so many different ways and that's the challenge that the Rams will be dealt with in, a, uh, when it, in addition to the genius of Aaron Rodgers. Number two on my list the Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. And I think there is a significant advantage for Patrick Mahomes when you have a tight end that can string together a season like Travis Kelsey had. You know, unanimous first team all pro, one of the greatest seasons ever put together by a tight end. 105 catches, 1,416 yards, 11 touchdowns. The gap between Kelsey and the rest of the field isn't particularly close, but you know. Uh, George Kittle was out for this uh, out for a good chunk of the season because of his own injury issues, and I I didn't think the Raiders targeted Darren Waller enough. But Andy Reid's offense with Patrick Mahomes allows him to utilize his matchups to their particular advantage. That the, 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 there'll be some concern with about Tyree Kill, and, and that opens up some of the some of the playing field up for Travis Kelsey. But if I don't think. There's anyone in the NFL that that would think Travis Kelsey is someone you don't want to have on your side, and the Chiefs have that special dynamic for Mahomes when Kelsey is healthy and available. And finally, the number one mo- most important player not at, in the quarterback position f- for the divisional round of the playoffs, Aaron Donald, the interior defensive lineman for the LA Rams, and. You can look at all the defensive players in the NFL on all the rosters. Nobody in the NFL has a game-changing impact uh, quite like Aaron Donald. He completely changes the dynamic for Brandon Staley's defense. And now the Rams defense held up nicely during a period where Aaron Donald had to leave the game against Seattle. And to me, that's a credit to Les Snead, you know. Uh, Leonard Floyd had a couple of sacks on Russell Wilson. That Darius Williams with the pick six. Troy Hill had the pick six in the in the Arizona game. But the way Aaron Donald set the tone for that defense in the second uh, second possession of the game, Rams fans and Seahawks fans knew that the game was going to be different uh, from there. And now he's not going to be 100% because of his rib injury, but. 
I, I don't think Aaron Donald would mind playing through injury. Well, because he's Aaron Donald, and uh, and 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 you, even if Aaron Donald's on on the field, he'll 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 pose a problem for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the Rams are the trickiest remaining matchup for the Packers offense because of Aaron Donald. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year for the third time in the last four seasons. He was unanimous first team All Pro at defensive tackle, and that that tells you something about about who's going to win uh, that award. And he is the best defensive player of this generation, and he is why the Rams can believe against the Green Bay Packers. Alrighty, and now it is that part of the program where we pick the pick we pick the games for this weekend against the spread. And straight up. So, to recap last week, I was 5-1 and one on picking games outright. The only loss was was Pittsburgh losing at home to Cleveland. So, I am 182-79-1 overall on the season. And against the spread, I was 4-2. and two. Uh, I did not pick uh, the Colts to, to cover against Buffalo, and I did not pick Washington with the backdoor cover against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I am 131, 124, and 7 overall in the season. So I either need a I need one win or one push to clinch a winning season. So let's get to these games, and we're going to start with a Kevin Burkhardt, Daryl Johnston, Pam Oliver special, the NFL on Fox. The Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in the NFC, they are picked by six and a half, taking on the LA Rams. And the, if you were to, if I was recording this podcast yesterday or even last night, I, I would have thought the Rams uh, had the intangibles to beat the Packers. And watching the Rams, I, I, I got some vibes from the 07 Giants because the, the, the Giants ha- uh, that, that year ha- had a very good defense, a great pass rush. Oh, of course, that pass rush was Tom Brady's downfall in, in the Super Bowl that year. But but you also have to th- think that a quarterback that has issues um, uh, and that, that had a lot of question marks, a four, number one overall draft pick w- with question marks and uh, some some issues with, with with wide receivers, some issues at running back. But I I really like uh, Cam Akers and, and the offensive line, and I think that the Rams can move the ball up and down the field against the defense. But I. But Cooper Cup not being a hundred percent, I think that's a huge deal for this game. But because you, because you you would have you, that would force Robert Woods to go up against Jair Alexander, the second team All Pro uh, at corner end. I, I uh, there were some things with Green Bay's defense that I really didn't like uh, throughout the course of the season. But Jair Alexander is one of them, and. And if Cooper Cup can't uh, can be 100% and, and contribute, I think that's going to be a major, major problem for the Rams. So, th- this was the trickiest game of the week for me to pick because I, I really like both teams. I really like the construction of both teams. and But I got to take the Packers because I I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers ha- have, have that extra dynamic when it comes to... Of the Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams uh, connection, that and, and they also have an offensive line. I know they they signed Jordan Veld here from the 
Colts practice squad to uh, replace David Bakhtiari. And Bakhtiari's loss, uh, by, by no stretch of the imagination, it is a small loss at all because he he is as one of the best left tackles in the NFL, and he was first team All Pro at that position uh, when the when the team came uh, first All Pro team came out on Friday. But I think I, I I really really wanted to take the Rams because I thought they had a better coach and a better defense. But I think Aaron Rodgers it was extra motivated and. And by, by the way, Aaron Rodgers will be hosting some episodes of Jeopardy and will be pl- uh, and has that extra motivation to, to play uh, to win this game because he's never the, the Packers haven't been uh, hosted an NFC Championship game since Aaron Rodgers took over as the starting quarterback and he is extra fired up to win the NFC at Lambeau Field this season. So I'm going to take the Packers to, to win this game. 27 to 26 over the LA Rams. The next game on this list is an Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya special in the NFL on NBC. The Buffalo Bills coming off their their first playoff victory in 25 years against the Indianapolis Colts. They're at home, favored by two and a half points, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson coming off his first playoff victory and. This is a match of 30-year quarterbacks, and and I think these are the two the two biggest threats to Kansas City uh, remaining in the playoffs. Baltimore because of, of their loaded defense and their deep defense, and Lamar Jackson utilizing uh, uh utilizing um some different th- different things, and I think that this is a defense that I think. Um, Lamar Jackson uh, can can do well against because B- Buffalo. Ha- if you watch the first half of the Buffalo Indianapolis game, Buffalo had a hard time stopping Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor, of course, scored a touchdown um, in in that game on Saturday afternoon. But I think the the, uh, the Bills' offense uh, can, can beat you in more ways than Baltimore's offense can. Obviously. Lamar Jackson has the legs, and I think he's going to be forced to use the legs with the impending lake effect snow that, that'll impact that game. But, I think Buffalo will win because I I think they have the better coaching staff around him with with Scott, Scott Sean McDermott and Brian Dable, and Brian Dable is going to wind up being an NFL head coach uh, by, the, by the time next month rolls around. But th- this one wasn't easy as well. But I'm gonna take the Bills because I think they're home, and I think and I think they'll, they'll utilize the weather to their advantage. So I'll take the Bills to beat Baltimore 28 to 23, and over the Baltimore Ravens. The next game is a Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson special. The NFL on CBS. The, uh, the Sunday game will be or the Sunday slate will begin at three o'clock. So adjust accordingly. The Kansas City Chiefs. They are at home. They're favored by ten, taking on the Cleveland Browns, coming off their first playoff victory in 26 years over the Steelers. But I think that, and granted, I mentioned Baltimore and Buffalo as as tricky matchups for Kansas City. I don't think Cleveland is 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 an easy matchup either. And I'm I'm going to plan on on 
picking the Browns to cover here because I think 10 points in a playoff game is a lot if you're asking me when, when you're looking at the, the way Kansas City played defensively down the stretch. Maybe the bye week of what was big for Kansas City to, uh, to uh, get right and get healthy for this stretch of games. But I think the Chiefs uh, have too much offensive firepower for Cleveland's defense to handle. And, and you, you, you saw uh, Cleveland's defense be vulnerable in the second half when Ben Roethlisberger continued continuously drove the Browns down the field and moved moved the offense up and down the field at will. So I am concerned about Cleveland's defense when it comes to when it comes to guarding Travis Kelsey and, and guarding Sammy Watkins and 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 and, and you, you utilizing their resources to stop Le'Veon Bell as well. But I think the the, the Chiefs I I think that they're on a, the easy track to hosting the AFC Championship game. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to to beat the Browns 31 to 24. So I'll take the Chiefs to win, but I'm going to lay the 10 points with uh with the uh, I'm going to uh pick up the 10 point spread with the Cleveland Browns. So with with this matchup, I would have Buffalo and Kansas City meeting. On a week from Sunday night in the AFC Championship game. And and then the the final matchup would lead to this. It is, in fact, the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews special on the NFL on Fox. The New Orleans Saints, they're at home. They're favored by three with Drew Brees taking on Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And... I, th- th- this one's also another tricky one because th- this is a, a, a matchup within the division... But I'm going to take the the um, New Orleans Saints here, and I'll give you a couple of reasons. One, I don't think uh, if you watch the the second half of the Tampa Bay Washington game, I think uh, I don't believe that 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 they played well at all in the second half against Washington, and it was a miracle that Taylor Heineke uh, kept that Washington football team in the game for as long as they did. But in any stretch of the imagination, when you go, when you're going from Detroit and Atlanta to Washington, and then then you have a completely different animal in New Orleans. I just cannot pick Tampa Bay to win, to win this game. I'm going I'm going to pick Drew Brees. I think the, uh, the I I think the Saints have a significant coaching advantage uh, when it, when it comes to this matchup and. But both times they played, the I I credit the the Saints coaching for winning and the Bucks the uh, Bucks coaching staff for holding them back. P- Bruce Arians was not the coach for Tampa Bay to get get them to a cha- get them to a Super Bowl. They're obviously talent not with uh, talent notwithstanding, they have a lot of dudes on that offense when it comes to whether it's uh, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Uh, Mike, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown is certainly coming to his own uh, with Tom Brady, and he he presents another dynamic for the Saints defense uh, to contend with. But when when you look at the Saints defense, when you look at the front of their defensive line, when you look at the linebackers, when you look at their secondary, I just think uh, uh, that it, it presents a lot of challenges. 
for Tom Brady and, and that offense. So, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be the most entertaining game of the weekend. But I'm going to take the Saints to win and cover. They'll win 34-30 to over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if I am correct with all these matchups, we, we would have the New Orleans Saints take on the Green Bay Packers on Championship Sunday in Green Bay. And have Buffalo and Kansas City play in in the a, in the AFC Championship game late later that night. So that's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting streaming services. This is John Flynn, and I'm saying so long, and I'll be back here on the podcast on Monday to talk about the divisional playoffs. So. So have a good rest of the weekend, everybody, and I'll be catching you back on the podcast on Monday. So long, everybody.